And he had replied, Very good, sir, and there the matter had rested. But all the while, unsuspected by Bertram, the shadow of Steeple Bumpley was creeping nearer and nearer, and came a day when it tore off its whiskers and pounced. Oddly enough, the morning on which this major disaster occurred was one that found me completely, even exuberantly, in the pink. No inkling of the soup into which I was to be plunged came to mar my perfect bien-être. I had slept well, shaved well, and shower-bathed well, and it was with a merry cry that I greeted Jeeves as he brought in the coffee and kippers. Odds bodikins, Jeeves, I said. I am in rare fettle this a.m. Talk about exulting in my youth. I feel up and doing with a heart for any fate, as Tennyson says. Longfellow, sir. Or, if you prefer it, Longfellow. I am in no mood to split hairs. Well, what's the news? Miss Hopwood called while you were still asleep, sir. No, really? I wish I'd seen her. The young lady was desirous of entering your room and rousing you with a wet sponge, but I dissuaded her. I considered it best that your repose should not be disturbed. I applauded this watchdog spirit, showing as it did both the kindly heart and the feudal outlook, but continued to tut-tut a bit at having missed the young pipsqueak, with whom my relations had always been of the matiest. This Zenobia, Nobby Hopwood, was old Warplesden's ward, as I believe it's called. A pal of his, just before he stopped ticking over some years previously, had left him in charge of his daughter. I don't know how these things are arranged. No doubt documents have to be drawn up and dotted lines signed on. But whatever the procedure, the upshot was as I have stated. When all the smoke had cleared away, my Uncle Percy was Nobby's guardian. Young Nobby, eh? When did she blow into the great city? I asked. For on becoming Uncle Percy's ward, she had, of course, joined the strength of his steeple bumply lair, and it was only rarely nowadays that she came to London. The last night, sir. Making a long stay? Only till tomorrow, sir. Hardly worthwhile sweating up just for a day, I should have thought. I understand that she came because her ladyship desired her company, sir. I quailed a bit. You don't mean Aunt Agatha's in London? Merely passing through, sir, replied the honest fellow, calming my apprehensions. Her ladyship is on her way to minister to Master Thomas, who has contracted mumps at his school. His allusion was to the old relative's son by our first marriage, one of our vilest citizens. Many good judges rank him even higher in England's rogue gallery than her stepson Edwin. I was rejoiced to learn that he had got mumps, and toyed for a moment with a hope that Aunt Agatha would catch them from him. And what had Nobby to say for herself? Uh, she was regretting that she saw so little of you nowadays, sir. Quite mutual, the agony, Jeeves. There are few better eggs than this hopwood. She expressed a hope that you might shortly see your way to visiting Steeple Bumpley. I shook the head, out of the queue, Jeeves. The young lady tells me the fish are biting well there just now. No, Jeeves, I'm sorry. Not even if they bite like serpents do I go near Steeple Bumpley. Very good, sir. He spoke somberly, and I endeavoured to ease the strain by asking for another cup of coffee. Was Nobby alone? No, sir. 
Uh, there was a gentleman with her who spoke as if he were acquainted with you. Miss Hopwood addressed him as Stilton. Big chap. Noticeably well-developed, sir. With a head like a pumpkin? Uh, yes, sir. There was a certain resemblance to the vegetable. It must have been a companion of my earlier years named G. Darcy Cheesewright. In our whimsical way, we used to call him Stilton. I haven't seen him for ages. He lives in the country somewhere. And to hobnob with Bertram Worcester, it is imperative that you stick around the metropolis. Odd, him knowing Nobby. I gathered from the young lady's remarks that Mr. Cheesewright is also a resident of Steeple Bumpley, sir. Really? It's a small world, Jeeves. Yes, sir. I don't know when I've seen a smaller, I said, and would have gone more deeply into the subject, but at this juncture the telephone tinkled out a summons, and he shimmered off to answer it. Through the door, which he had chanced to leave ajar, the ear detected a good deal of yes malording and very good malording, seeming to indicate that he had hooked one of the old nobility. Who was it? I asked, as he filtered in again. Lord Warplesdon, sir. It seems almost incredible to me, looking back, that I should have received this news item with nothing more than a mildly surprised O.R., Amazing, I mean, that I shouldn't have spotted the sinister way in which you might call the steeple-bumply note had begun to intrude itself like some creeping fog or miasma, and trembled in every limb, asking myself what this portended. But so it was. The significance of the thing failed to penetrate, and as I say, I owed with merely a faint spot of surprise. The call was for me, sir. His lordship wishes me to go to his office immediately. He wants to see you? Such was the impression I gathered, sir. Did he say why? No, sir, merely that the matter was of considerable urgency. I mused, thoughtfully champing a kipper. It seemed to me that there could be but one solution. Do you know what I think, Jeeves? He's in a spot of some kind and needs your counsel. It may be so, sir. I'll bet it so. He must know all about your outstanding gifts. You can't go on as you've gone on so long, dishing out aid and comfort to all and sundry without acquiring a certain reputation, if only in the family circle. Grab your hat and race along. I shall be all agog to learn the inside story. What sort of day is it? Extremely clement, sir. Sunshine and all that? Yes, sir. I thought as much. That must be why I'm feeling so dashed fit. Then I think I'll take myself for an airing. Tell me, I said, for I was a trifle remorseful at having had to adopt that firm attitude about going to Steeple Bumpley and wished to bring back into his life the joy which my refusal to allow him to get in among the local fish had excluded from it. Is there any little thing I can do for you while I'm out? Sir? Any little gift you would like, I mean? It is extremely kind of you, sir. Not at all, Jeeves. The sky is the limit. State your desire. Well, sir, there has recently been published a new and authoritatively annotated edition of the works of the philosopher Spinoza. Since you are so generous, I would appreciate that very much. You shall have it. It shall be delivered to your door in a plain van without delay. You're sure you got the name right? Spinoza? Yes, sir. It doesn't sound probable, but no doubt you know best. Spinoza, eh? 
Is he the Book Society's Choice of the Month? I believe not, sir. Well, he's the only fellow I ever heard of who wasn't. Right-ho. I'll see to it in Stanter. And presently, having assembled the hat, the gloves, and the neatly rolled U, I sauntered forth. As I made my way to the bookery, I found my thoughts turning once more, as you may readily imagine, to this highly suggestive business of old Warpleston. The thing intrigued me. I found it difficult to envisage what possible sort of a jam a man like that could have got himself into. When, about eighteen months before, news had reached me through well-informed channels that my Aunt Agatha, for many years a widow, or derelict, as I believe it is called, was about to take another pop at matrimony, my first emotion, as was natural in the circumstances, had been a gentle pity for the unfortunate goop slated to step up the aisle with her. She, as you are aware, being my tough aunt, the one who eats broken bottles and conducts human sacrifices by the light of the full moon. But when the details began to come in, and I discovered that the bimbo who had drawn the short straw was Lord Warpleston, the shipping magnate, this tender commiseration became sensibly diminished. The thing I felt would be no walkover. Even if in the fullness of time she wore him down and at length succeeded in making him jump through hoops, she would know she had been in a fight. For he was hot stuff, this Warpleston. I had known him all my life. It was he who, at the age of fifteen, uh, when I was fifteen, I mean, of course, uh, found me smoking one of his special cigars in the stable yard and chased me a mile across difficult country with a hunting crop. And though with advancing years our relations...